What's this? This is the code that I've written for our year-to-year -year projections. This is building in all the intelligence that we have to project players. Okay. It's about getting things down to one number. Using stats the way we read them, we'll find value in players that nobody else can see. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Grass and Gear podcast. I'm FN Grasshopper and as ever I'm joined by my talented co-host Daniel Gear of Bolivia fame. Say hi Dan. Hi Tony, how are you? Good mate, I'll see the beaters out, playing FM. Yeah, yeah, enjoying um, it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it and I've also booked my annual leave day, which I was hesitant about doing, but there was no meetings for next Tuesday so I thought, you know what, let's go for it, let's take the day off, let's get the Spanish tappers out because I'm going to go to <laughs> lower league Spain. Um, so yeah, you'll be doing plenty of vacuuming again like last time. Yeah, let's let's hope there's no <laughs> game breaking bugs or anything, and uh, we can just get going straight from the off. Um, how are you anyway? Are you looking forward to release? Yeah, definitely, mate. I got the day off as well, but natural day off. Okay, so can you play FM or not? Yeah, I'll be um, I'll, I'll be um, playing it all day. Kids to school, and then oh, play it. I can't wait to be messaging you all day then, Dan. <laughs> Um, today we're doing what well, the, the podcast title is FM Data Club, uh, and in the club we've, we're going to, you know, we're joined by someone a bit younger and trendier than us. Um, it's Jack, the cult of football manager. Say hi, Jack. Hi, both. How are we doing? Thank you for having me on. Yes. Um, no problem. Jack, in a quick synopsis, do you want to just tell us who you are? Because see, you are a YouTuber, but you come with two hats today. Yeah, I suppose YouTuber. That's an interesting one. So I was a real football coach at one point. Um, I'm a UFB licensed football, football coach. I worked at uh, Swindon Towns Academy and did a lot of coaching pretty much throughout my, my 20s. And then within the last year, I've started working at Sports Interactive. And amongst all of that, I was doing content. You're right, on, uh, on YouTube and Twitch, yeah? Yeah. And you've been on Dan's shortlist for quite a while now. So he's probably, <laughs> he's probably scouted you many times, got an analyst, analyst report, everything on you. So um, we will dive into your specialities in a little bit with, in the Data Hub. Um, but before we do that, we should spark up a drink, obviously, because I'm dying to, to get, get my cocktails on the go. So I'm drinking um, my Argentine cocktail of preference today, Fernet con Coca. Um, that's to celebrate my B to say with Lennis that I've just finished. I did a season there and loved it. Um, what about you, Dan? I've got um, a vintage Taunton cider, 6%. Taunton in Devon, yeah. I studied in Devon, so we, we did the... Went to Tolton a few times. Yeah. Uh, so right down there, isn't it? Yeah. Did you drink any cider, Tony? No. No, I did the Topshin. <laughs> do you know the Topshin 10? It's where you go to 10 different places and drink. I don't know if I did it or not. I think I'm a bit of a lightweight. I probably got to like four. And then, <laughs> then maybe, maybe my friends told me I did 10. I don't know. <laughs> um, Jack, I don't know if you've got a drink or not. Honestly, um, yeah, I've only got a cup of tea right now. And reason That's being, for, for the first time in a long time, I had a, had a few drinks on Friday night, and I still think that I'm, I'm good for now, <laughs> to be honest. You're, you're over I'll, the podcast limit. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> right this second, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stick to tea, to be honest. Yeah. It, it might be wise. Someone's got to carry the pod anyway. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, whenever you're ready, um, spark up. I've got a few things to do. I've got to stir my ice. I'll do. Oh, I should have done this earlier, shouldn't I? This is the only reason why we, we uh, podcast, Jack. Just so we can get excuse to get some drinks on the go. Weeknight drinks, yeah. No, I get that. Yeah, on a school night as well. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> uh, right. Right, I'll let that settle for a bit. So, Turn. what we're going to do today is obviously... I've got a few questions for Jack, nothing too taxing, um, stuff that I believe you should know, um, and they've all got a reason for me asking for them thematically, and we've got a little bit of chat about data and about FM23, um, and Dan, you're welcome to to even answer the questions if you can beat Jack beforehand, or if Jack's struggling, <laughs> you can help him out. Um, but my first question is... Um, which new statistics introduced in FM23 measure the in intensity of your press so yeah um opposition passes per defensive action so that is a new stat that was introduced this year you're right and that is measured 
by um, the amount of tackle attempts, fouls and interceptions that a team has per pass, for example. And it's only done in the, it doesn't count in the opposition, in the opponent's first third. So yeah, it does measure how intense a team is, but it, that, but the, but it, yeah, the way you, the way that you worded that made it sound like it, it's linked to like sprinting intensity, but no, that is it. Yeah, you'd be looking at attack attempts, fouls, interceptions uh, that a team attempts per pass effectively. And it doesn't count in the opponent's first third. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like a cumulative stat. So um, I, I looked at my own beta save, which was really interesting um, yesterday evening when I was looking at these questions. Um, and obviously the lower number is basically means your press is quite quite press heavy because basically the opposition aren't passing it as much before they actually have to do a basically a tackle or a clearance, whatever. Um, and I wanted to know, I just wanted to, to get your feelings if you're going to use this stat at all, but... What I found really interesting on my side, because I was in Argentina, uh, obviously you've got like kind of Gallardo and the Gallardo press for River Plate, which is really high intensity, right in the face of opposition. Obviously he does top that table with with the opposition have a really, really low um, score. So I thought that was pretty neat. And I don't know um, if this is a stat, obviously Jack or, or yourself, Dan, are going to use in FM23, but um, that's that's actually pretty neat to see. In the game, obviously, you've got to go into the into the league stats to look at the how you how you rank at a team level. But um, yeah, pretty neat. Obviously, it's one of those kind of features that you might a lot of players might just overlook that and not really know about it. But the fact that you know Gallardo is topping that topping that table when you'd expect him to shows the game is kind of mirroring real life, which is pretty good. Any thoughts on on that on that particular statistic? Um, it's a it's quite a common one that's used now. If you look a lot of uh, if you were to go onto Opta or something, it's one of the few stats that's now um, shown first. It's one of the things that a lot of people look at, and uh, this was actually brought up on the forums, and it sort of leads into something that I think we're going to talk about a little uh, a little later on about so how some stats can be different in FM than compared to compared to real life. Uh, but uh, yeah, so in in the game at the moment, it's a little lower than real life, and that is down to how. Uh, certain things count as clearances or a long pass, for example. Uh, you could put uh, 20 occurrences of, of a CDM just sort of clipping the ball into an area and you could sit two people down and they would say, maybe one person says 15 times that's a clearance, five times it's a pass. Another person might say it's 20-20. And if you have that difference in stats calculation, that's when a stat like um, passes per defensive action can then start to look a little different from one stats provider to the next or from FM to to opt or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, just something that, that came to mind is that I did see that reported for the few people that I have seen that actually talk about that stat, that it was a little different to real life. But it's, it's definitely very useful when you can you can use that in conjunction with a few different stats now on the team stats in match, which I think is really important to look at. For example, last year, all you really had was was possession and, and a couple of others, there wasn't too many, whereas um, now you've got OPPDA, you've got possession, which has changed now, which we'll get to later on, ball share, and then field tilt as well. It's like a combination of four things as opposed to just the one that would have been there in FM22. Yeah, which is a perfect segue, Jack, into the next question, uh, <laughs> which was going to ask you particularly about um, that data hub metric now that's in it as a scatterplot diagram of pitch tilt. Um, so I was going to ask you, what is pitch tilt? Right, so... The way that we have it, and that's the way that, um, that I've seen it to be fair, that most, most stats providers seem to agree that, that this is the same thing. So it's team passes inside the, uh, the opponent's final third. Per fun, yeah, in the final third. So that's essentially what field tilt is, field tilt is between the two teams. So it, And it's really useful to know when you're dominating. Like if you were to see one team has, in FM22, 80% possession, one team has 20. It's, it's really hard to, to just know just from the team stats, for example, where that possession is, or even in the in the data, for example. Whereas now with the field tilt, um, that gives you an extra, just a little extra bit of information. Like stats never tell the whole story, but being able to see how much you're dominating in the opponent's like danger area, or how much you're receiving, you know, danger in your own danger area, um, can be quite important. So I think, yeah, it's quite a, quite a useful addition, and something that I think was was really was really quite a nice addition to the game that's gone a little under the radar, like you sort of said earlier. So another one, that, um, along with OPPDA, that went under the radar. But it's uh, yeah, very useful stat, again, to, to in conjunction with possession and ball share, things like that. Well, you, um, you said it's gone under the radar. Do you think that is because SI has left it for people to find for themselves? Or do you think um, just people not understanding that it's in the game? 
So obviously, I want to preface this in whole interview with, I obviously speak for myself and not Sports Interactive. Make sure we get that in the interview <laughs> at some point to make sure that's, that's, uh, that's clear. But yeah, from, from my perspective, if you remember to FM22, the, the stats in the data hub specifically was a big feature. Uh, you had Elliot, who was at the company at the time, who did that whole interview with James, and they made a big deal of showcasing it to everybody. To basically, for the, the people that like stats like yourselves and other other people that play the game for the stats, you would all have seen that as it went, but like it opened up eyes to people that wouldn't normally look at stats. It gave them an, a whole area of the game they could go into and you know open up a new audience to stats. And I think that there probably was a feeling of not wanting to push that two years in a row. The way I sort of look at it is the data hub in, 20, in FM 2022 was almost like the foundations to a house. And this year, you know, the rest of the house was built on top of it. And, you know, some stats, do they still work exactly the way we want to? We're always trying to improve things and try and get them closer to real life when we can, especially for the bigger ones. But I think that the stats in FM, 20, in FM 2023 now look so much better, unrecognizable from like FM 21, for example. So I think that, yeah, there's an element of not wanting to um, to promote it maybe back to back in, in years. So there maybe is an element of letting people find out for themselves. But the uh, the article was put on the FMFC uh, website with an article for some of the new stats that have been included. Um, but yeah, I suppose there is an element of that that's gone into it. Hmm. Which, is, which is good in a way, really, because you don't want SRA to tell us everything. And um, for people like ourselves who use stats, um, like you say, we're, we're finding it. And I think it's something that's definitely going to come more into the game from a uh, um, player side of it, where people play playing it more, seeing people like yourself making Moneyball YouTube videos, people doing same content great in it around it, um, Rush the Net and stuff stuff like that, all, all doing more. I think more and more people will pick up on it. So um, I think gradually more and more people will spot it it's an easier word to say like say you know spot it and then it more obvious but also like in the in the beta a lot of people will just do pick up Premier League team just to have a quick look around, see what the match engine's like. So it's probably that's also played a part as well. Yeah. And they're not yeah. starting money ball teams on week one. You're quite right actually. I think with the beta everything feels a little bit sacrificial, doesn't it? I know some people do start their long term saves in the beta and carry it through. But there's always that relevant risk for me, if I'm honest, like just in case there's a bug or something gets tweaked and you want you want to start a new save to get that tweak. Um, so I'm not, I've, I haven't really gone into the data hub um, or, or had a deep dive into the data. Uh, obviously, preparing for this podcast did lead me to look, go into it and you think, okay, yeah, you have, you have got OPPDA kind of thing. Pitch tilt does look good and it does correlate. There's like a synergy between the two things as well, the stats that you can measure your team's performance against the league rivals as well, which is pretty neat. Um, so I do think it's one of those things people are going to start discovering after live and be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, this is okay. Not like a headline, but yeah, this is this is a fully fed feature that was introduced years ago. But just, you know, we, we've now got what Jack mentioned, to, you know, we've now got a luxurious bathroom up, up the top of the house kind of thing, um, <laughs> to play with, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's how I sort of, I sort of look at it to a, to a degree. And... Uh, like it's just unfortunate the, the guy that I mentioned earlier Elliot he was a uh, part of the the company for, for a few years he's had he left us in the uh, in the summer but um but yeah I'd say Elliot and I I wasn't there when it was introduced so I can't speak for everybody but the two people that were instrumental behind the data hub initially going in I think were Elliot and Nick Madden who I'm sure a lot of people listening would know would know of Nick he's uh he's around a lot on the on podcasts and stuff um and yeah i think those two in particular they they drove this along with jack joyce we'll give jack a shout out as well um they were really instrumental in trying to push through making this i think look the way it is like so i like a, like a dan said earlier, i've done a moneyball save on youtube where i use basically stats only in the game to buy players recruit players and team select players not using any player attributes and even doing it in fm22 compared to fm23 like the amount of stats you've got basically every stat you can think of that was in fm22 if there wasn't already a per 90 category there now is and i think that was a big thing that people asked for was was that that i saw as, as a request which i think was really good and um yeah. i don't and for me the biggest one i don't know if this is gonna be a question later but for me the it's, biggest stat sounding like a segue it's sounding good jack carry on is it yeah the, <laughs> so the, and the biggest one for me the biggest stat that's been introduced i think makes the biggest difference in fm 2023 is open play key passes because oh, it's the next one yes yeah it is the next one there you go <laughs> because key passes before were linked to also set pieces right so if you go back through my money ball save on youtube you'll see me look for creative attacking and field players 
And if I see their key passes is above a certain number, I just ignored it because I assume they took set pieces right. And it was something that was definitely, um, I think, needed within the game. And, you know, they, the team managed to deliver and get that in, which I know pleased a lot of the people that looked like to uh, look at the stats. Yeah. So that, that theme does naturally go on to what I was going to next ask you. So you've, you've touched on one of the metrics. But um, of the new metrics in 723, measuring a player's creativity is, is kind of what you were, you were getting at just there is kind of give me at least one of them. You did mention open key play passes per 90. Um, there's another two that can measure creativity quite well. Um, and I think they're new to FM23. Do you want to have a stab at them? Or Dan as well? Well, I think so that'll be subjective, open... isn't it? You're asking what measures creativity, it, so... It, it, is, it is subjective, but um, obviously there is one big one that got added. I, know, I, I can think of one. I want to see if Dan wants to have a go. There's one, there's one that I know they've, that we've added this year that would be really instrumental to that. But if Dan wants to have a go first. <laughs> um, so one of the um, measures creativity. Yeah. So we... Um, so if you were to kind of evaluate like a, a number 10, basically... Uh, Expected assists would probably be come under that for me. Yeah. So, um, so um, that, that was one I think that was added this year, definitely. That was probably the big one Jack was on about. <laughs> yeah, yep. that was my one I was going to mention. So I, I, still, I still the easy one. No, that's fine. There, there's one more that we had on our list, and I'll tell you just to save, save you, like, getting <laughs> the brain cogs going around, was basically progressive passes per 90. So you've kind of got those three elements there, open key passes, progressive passes, and then expected assists all per 90 mm. as stats as well. So it's, it's, it's more than ever richer data to use to go and find that number 10 in, in your spreadsheets as Moneyball kind of thing. Um, I'm looking forward to that, especially because I did, I did try stats only based at the end of FM22 and loved it and did actually find some kind of diamonds in the rough that perhaps I would have overlooked if it wasn't from the player search screen, for instance. And they actually did make a tangible difference to the tactic. So to have a few more metrics per 90 into that I think it's going to be great to, to pull out into into our Excel wizardry uh, to do. With uh, oh, I don't know. Um, sorry, go on. Down. Sorry, go on. To, I was just going to say, yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, mate. I was I was just going to say, yeah. The, the I would I'd have this. I actually dislike that question a little bit because progressive passes and progressive passes per ninety. I wouldn't necessarily just uh, put to a number ten. That would be uh, that could be a CDM. That could be yeah. a pivot player. So that might have stumped a few people on that one as well because progressive passes. I think it's quite important if you're playing a a tactic that's trying to build from the back and to see why your team's clearing it or if you're playing passive possession, progressive passes can be really important for getting the ball from not just your defensive line to your midfield line, but then your midfield line to the attack line. So I think progressive passes is actually a really good addition um, that I think that people should definitely look at. It definitely works for number 10, but it also would work for the first third of the pitch as well, I would, I would suggest. No, totally. I think especially now as well with the like the four two, the deeper four two three one kind of being popular with the AI kind of thing in FM twenty three, and obviously, you know, people might want to use that kind of double pivot to have one of those to be kind of bombing forward. And I, I know in your uh, Atleti series, because I watched a bit this morning and throughout the day, I've been chipping away at them. Um, what you did, and I'm so glad you signed him. Obviously, one of my favourite players, and it, he he just fits perfectly for Atleti. He's kind of an you know, Obarella from Inter Milan, and the fact that you put him in that Valenti role, so that's. You know, if I had, I don't know if you've got there yet, but if you've looked at his progressive passes per 90, but um, that's something that I'd be really interested to see if you do that. And if you're not gonna, if you haven't done it yet, please do it to see to see how he's faring. Yeah, he was uh, he's perfect, isn't he, for that sort of that sort of team? That sort of I'm trying to recreate Simeone's 2013 2014 teams, which is effectively like three central fielders, then like a number 10 on the left wing. So you've got your Arda Turan, your Gabi, your Tiago, and your Koke. And I've got Koke doing the Gabi role effectively. I've got to fill out other roles for different players. But yeah, I've not used too many stats on my series so far. I'm sort of saving it for the, the bigger Moneyball one later on. Um, and if you've got a big monitor as well, like there's just so many stats you can put on, which is uh, which is going to be very useful for my Moneyball series like later. The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, you've got to, got to get that going on. Uh, but yeah, yeah. no, it's, it, it's incredible now. You could use stats for so many different things. And I, it's it's hard to think of too many right now off the top of my head that are like in real world football that we aren't catering for, at least in some form. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's been a really good step forwards and almost like a, an under the radar feature, as it were. It's been, a, or at least the feature has been completely overhauled and, and built on from last year. No, definitely. Keeping in that same theme. Me? Sorry, Dan, go, go, before I jump No, that's right. I was just going to say, well, I was going to say, I was going to try out with what Jack said recently on one of my beta saves. I was looking for a defensive midfielder and um, 
as I was looking through some stats on that, I come up with one a really highly progressive um, passes for 90 and I wouldn't have normally scouted him his actual like scout rating wasn't great but when I then looked at um, stats for that they looked really good and it was that that stood out to me especially from um, like you said it's just not just a 10 it's also deeper in the midfield as well so it shows that it's working and when he came over his um, stats replicated into my team as well yep so the the next sideways question on the, on, the, on a similar theme was just to test um, Jack's knowledge about these two particular stats and the difference between the two particular stats in FM23. Um, but what I think is, is good if we can get it clarified because I think a load of people, it's a common thing I see get people get wrong. Um, so what is the difference between a key pass and a chance created? Okay, yeah, so... <laughs> um, the the chances created are based on are based on xg and um, to be honest, like that so when you see for example half chance and clear cut chance this this is a good example and a good segue into where stats are different between fm and real real life at times right so i think that the 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 objective would always to be to try and get as many stats in line with real life as possible that's sort of, that is the ideal aim but it's it's not realistic for us because there are some there are some stats companies like um like opta use some of their dribble statistics by a person watching it what they determine a dribble to be and whether it's successful or not may be different to what you know a, you know somebody else thinks. And in FM, we don't have a real person doing it all the time. So you've got to have some sort of mathematical formula to calculate it, right? Because it's in it's within a game, it's being processed. So when you're looking at something like like a chance created, a clear-cut chance created, some of the stats companies will use um, slightly more subjective elements to that to what determines a clear-cut chance or not. In the game, it's based off of um, XG on the XG before the shot. So the chances are always based off of the the XG. So that's something that's different to potentially real life when you look at, I don't know, if you look at clear cut chances from Opta or somebody like that compared to what happens in your in your save, you may see something slightly different. But that's that's why that's different, for example. And then um, and so what was the other one you said? You said chances created. The other one was a key pass. And a key pass. Um, to be honest with you. I know that we looked at the at the both of them. I don't want I don't want to speak out of turn. I'd have to get back to you. I'll have to give you uh give you some notes on that after the the podcast. I don't want to say something that is that is wrong, and I'd rather not try and speculate on it. But the but that is how the chances are created. Um, yeah, no, but I, the key pass, I'd rather not give a wrong answer. To be honest with you, no, that's all right. Um, in terms of the key, in terms of the uh, chance created, definitely linked to the kind of the XG performance of the chance itself. Um, which we believe to be point, um, 0.15, so kind of 15% chance of the, or greater, to be kind of considered a chance created. Um, is that difference? But yeah, again, other two, two other ways that you can measure kind of your, your creative players as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think the one that we've not touched on with creative players is dribbles per 90. I think that's a really important one to look at. Um, I think that in FM22, the dribbles per 90 spectrum was was uh, like 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. And a lot of players were below one anyway. And it was, so it was hard to search. But I think if you're looking at all of the stats, dribbles per 90 is really important. If you've got like a number 10 who's able to take a player on and get past, it may not be like, 15 times a game. It may only be like once or twice. If they're doing it once or twice more than everybody else, I'd say that's something really to look close to. And a good indicator, they might be good at both dribbling. And maybe maybe they could be quick as well if you're playing attributeless. So dribbles per 90 combined with distance covered per 90, something like that, may be a good indicator of if they've got a bit of, bit of um, you know, a good level of physical attributes. Yeah, it's funny actually, because I was watching a clip of um, Tiki Taka earlier over my dinner. And obviously... Tiki Taka, I've got quite a, a biased opinion, and it was it was quite boring overall because there's lots of sideways passes or just recycling the ball possession. It was quite low tempo, and what made it work was just the the odd moment really where Iniesta with with that amazing dribble or Messi on the other side kind of thing that would just make that move from go from boring to like straight up a a clear cut chance being created. So that dribble element there is is kind of what you're saying really is key. So if you get that in your role, that it's going to make the difference. Um, Absolutely it kind of makes it makes a tactic. Absolutely, yeah. I think if you ask a lot of defenders that on the if they're defending on the edge of their own area, they're happier with this with the ball getting moved left to right than they are somebody dribbling at them. If they're dribbling at them, they've got to 
engage and defend correctly without giving away a foul. And it's always useful yeah. to have that sort of Ines in and around the area. I think I think it's it's always an important thing to factor in. Is always dribbles rather than just what what are they releasing the ball with rather than what can they just do on the ball as well. I think it's important to have both of those in like a a Kreb and field player. Yeah. No, lovely stuff. Um, so the last question I've got for you this evening before we go on to like beta chat was. Um, was now about strikers. We spoke a lot about creativity. Um, I just wanted to ask you, Jack, what are the two great metrics to measure how clinical a striker's finishing is? How clinical they are? Well, the first thing I would look at is their XG versus their goals. And their yeah. XG over performance is now a new one that's been added. Um, there's, there's lots of different ways you can do that. That's one of the ways you could do it. Um, yeah, that, that's the first one I would, I would look at. Yeah, that was definitely my top one because it was added in FM23. It's a it's a great stat, basically, to see if your player is kind of outperforming their extra chances because you know they are ultra-clinical if they are. I mean, I had... I don't know if you know my save in MLS, but I basically won all the trophies, but I had a network save, my friend Chris. And Gonzalo Higuain was clinical, but ultra-clinical, and he was kind of head and shoulders above his XG, basically, outscoring it. It was beautiful to see in the poacher role. So and would um, that make you want to replace him the next year, though? Because he's overperforming. Would you want to then keep him for the next year? Would you think, right, that's not going to last. Let's move off him while we can and get somebody else in. And the reason I well, say that... Re- so go on, go on to that. Well, I was just going to say, it's a very good question because with him in his kind of like age, his twilight of his career as well, if you did get the replacement in, you might actually have to replace some of the goals elsewhere from around your tactic as well. You couldn't just get a, a like-for-like poacher and, and expect it to be exactly the same. I mean, you'd have to probably tweak a wider role or someone to, to work alongside him just to kind of complement that kind of difference in, in goals. I mean, in real life, I'm an Arsenal fan, so Arsene Wenger did that when he lost Van Persie. He, he knew, basically, he wasn't going to be able to get another Van Persie. He kind of got a combination of Giroud, Podolski and, and Kofola that all came in and chipped in. So that instead of, instead of having that 25-30 goal player, you kind of had three guys that would get 10 to 15 and you make up the difference. And I think you'd have to do the same in FM. Definitely. Definitely. Um, it works the other way, though. I remember on um, FM22, um, when I was in Estonia, there was a striker for a mid-table team, and he was massively outperforming his XG when I signed him. And it, it was like, say his XG was five goals, he was on like 18 goals, or something stupid. It was something stupid like that. And his attributes weren't great. So um, I... Thought that I had a bit of money and I needed a striker. I thought I'd give, I'd give it a go. Based on the stats, he's outperforming. He come to a better side and you get the same, if not more, chances. So, if anything, even if it um, peters out a bit, he should still be able to outperform it to a certain extent. But he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> 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 Also for the uh, for the on the XG sort of note there with the uh, the stats obviously this year non XG uh, non penalty sorry non penalty XG is a new introduction which I think is really important because I think we've all seen the game right where you you play a game and a fairly fairly close game but you think you've been on top you've got like a one point eight XG they've had like a I don't know a zero point five whatever but you feel like you've controlled the game you give away a penalty late on they score you draw the game and it ends up looking like they they've had more XG than you and you're like hang on that just even though you yeah. know it's because of the penalty it still winds you up yeah. because it's like, that's not how the game was. That is not how the game went. So I think having a non-penalty XG stats, especially in the chalkboard on the player stats, that you so you can see attackers XG not being inflated by penalties, if they're your penalty take. I think that's always really important. And all, the, all those little things, putting per 90s onto certain stats, adding non-penalty to the XG, I think those all little increment, incremental improvements to the stats this year have been really important to like really... The stats can only tell you so much of a picture. Even the best analysts will tell you that, right? You can. You, it's really hard to go full on stats in most sports. Obviously, baseball was a little different back in two thousand and three with the money ball, with the Oakland days. Because in baseball, you've got a hitter, you've got a, you've got a pitcher, batter, and a, and a pitcher, and the the field stayed relatively similar. So the variables are way down, and obviously everybody stood almost dead still before the ball is pitched. In football, you've got twenty two players moving around the pitch at all times, and you're playing both sides of the ball. You're both attacking and you're both defending, and there's transition into out, transition out to in. There's so many variables moving around, so I think any time you can add an extra layer of context to a stat, that's always beneficial to the user, and always gives you that extra bit of information of what you're really seeing, um, as opposed to just the uh, the odd goals, assists, red cards, yellow cards, which we've pretty much used in football pretty much up until about, I don't know, seven years ago, it seems like. Even the big, the big broadcasters don't really move too far away from that and possession and passes completed. 
you know so yeah i mean i'm just thinking back like when i was young kind of thing on, on sky sports what they would show you during a game and it was kind of what is it like sh- shots on target maybe possession and then what well, that's about it isn't it there's <laughs> nothing that's else it, yeah. goals <laughs> Um, and then you just had kind of dinosaurs in the studio saying what's going wrong without really any <laughs> basic backed up evidence really very subjective in their kind of tunnel vision of the game um, a defender would be looking at the defenders and the striker in the studio would be looking at the striker's performance and that's it that's still now isn't it we... <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> yeah I still think um, football's got a long way to go to catch up with other sports um, especially like I watch NFL and they're like a different level to us with it and um, especially in the studios and that yeah but, um, it's, it's definitely good to see him coming more and more into football and being used more obviously and then in football manager as well yeah it, in a way FM is kind of doing that ne- doing that groundwork really for the next generation of football fan really mm, because definitely. I don't know do, do other games do do that kind of level of stats like, does, what does FIFA, I've, it's been years since I've played FIFA game but would that give you any is that just basically basics they give you some. So this this is one of the stories I actually wanted wanted to mention. It's going to come up now. Actually, is so possession, right? So possession in two thousand and ten, I think it was, was changed. The definition was changed after Pep's Barcelona came out. I don't know if they were the exact reason, but that was that was just happened to be the timing after their great treble winning season. In his first year at Barcelona uh, was that possession used to be counted like a like a stop clock, like on a, in a chess game. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's 10 seconds gone, if that if Dan has the ball for eight seconds and I have it for two seconds, the split is 80 You'd only 20. have it for about two, to be fair. He, he yeah. would never have it for two. But, that, but that's, let's just say, for, for example, right? That, <laughs> okay. That's how it would be split. And then they change it to passes completed. So if in those eight seconds he completes um, like three passes, but in my two seconds I complete three passes as well, the possession would now be 50-50 because it's based on passes completed. So it's a stat that has been changed for this year in Football Manager. The first year you're going to see it in Football Manager. So if you're making a Pep Guardiola or a possession-based tactic, it's really important to know that it makes such a... It, it can make such a difference, I should say, because in our when we looked at it in testing and you compare the two possession stats, there can be in some games it's the same, some games it's five percent different, and over a season that can be quite a lot. So in the game this year, so that's what possession says, but we haven't removed the old way. The old way is now called ball share. So when you look on your match stats, you'll see. I think the big four you're looking at are uh, possession, ball share, OPPDA, and field tilt. Those are the four that give you a pretty good picture of how the game's gone. Um, essentially, but I think that's really important to know with possession and ball share. And I'm pretty sure on FIFA, possession is still calculated the old way because it's just right. it's just easy. I don't know. It's not easy. I don't think actually because it's it's just either a mathematical calculation or you're timing it right. So it shouldn't be too different. But there you are. <laughs> yeah, they're doing other things, other things with cards and ultimate teams and stuff like that. Maybe the cash cow. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that brings it into all the questions and all the thematical stuff I wanted to cover really with stats today. I think it's been really very interesting. Um, Jack, can, Jack can relax now. <laughs> you can relax now, yeah. I don't know if, you, if you're happy to, we can perhaps talk about kind of what we've been doing as a free on the beta. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What we've, liked, what we've liked doing as well, what we've discovered. Um, it's a little bit different for Jack, obviously, because he had kind of a, a knowledge of before the beta book, I think. But um, just for us, Dan, like, it's been good to get in the game and the match engine is glorious, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, I mean, like this um, when like we said before, um, when the features come out, we're a little bit dubious. But when you get to some of them, um, are better than expected. Like I, I do quite like the squad planner. Um, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I generally thought it was just going to be a reskin of the um, team report page, but yeah. it's not. So um, especially like um, doing a journeyman save this year. It definitely helped with because um, you're only there short term. You know you're not going to be looking at the contracts. You've got three years of planning, in a sense. So you can sort of see the quick gaps where you're going to do, and you can pick out spot, um, spots that you're going to do. So that's definitely. But I was actually a lot more impressed with the, um, the features they have. They didn't really announce its headline features and the match engine. Um, so I mean, I've, I've been really enjoying the match engine. Um, there's definitely. I, I think I. I can't remember watching the other day. I. I was watching a YouTuber and they um, were saying about it being like chaos in the middle now. Um, but not in a bad way. In like, it actually feels like there's a battle in the middle of the game. You know, you actually feel like you can um, play in a football... We always felt like we were playing a football match, but you actually felt like there was more of a battle in the middle. Um, 
my favourite bit is the um, half turns when they're receiving the ball and taking it on the half turn um, going forward. I tell you so what I, I like. I really enjoyed seeing some of them. The particular animation I'm liking is when, let's say, an inside forward on attack or someone's been put in and they're already kind of a, a very high sprint already. The ball kind of, they either shin it and stuff, or whatever, but the dribble gets even mm. faster and it, it looks more natural than it ever used to. And mm. that is just, yeah, just to see a dribble basically ball ricocheting <laughs> off their shins and it's yeah, there's a bit more randomness to it but it looks great um yeah just on on squad planner obviously i had really pessimistic views on squad planner because i thought it will never be a blank piece of paper because you, you can shape that in, in a, however you want and we know fm has loved putting their tactics in on bits of paper and then you know kind of putting names in the years and stuff like that but what they did si is actually the fact that they kind of made it intuitive, really. It doesn't feel much of a cognitive load to basically run with it straight away. I mean, within like literally two, three minutes, I was moving people around, making my order, um, then looking in kind of like two, three years. Just brilliant, really. Um, it, could, it could have really been a feature that kind of like just got like shunned for another two years until it got fleshed out. But it does feel like you can use it from, from day one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, it's definitely... I, I feel like it... Whilst, like we discussed before, a 30-year-old game, not, they're going to struggle for big wow factors these days. Um, but I feel like there's a lot lot of the game that wasn't announced or was announced on the um, FMFC um, thing rather than the big 42-minute um, video. And um, I quite enjoyed that in a way because you got to um, experience finding it. And uh, just like mainly from my own perspective, like Jack said, with the new stats coming in, and it'd be a near two of the data hub, you can see the step up in that, um, which would be helpful with, with um, my, my saving. Like, I understand that might not generate massive um, praise because I kind of, uh, only a small percentage of people probably play solely with stats or even look at stats. But I remember you did a piece last year, Tony, about that you didn't you use the data hub when you were on a bad run. So obviously this the more stats coming in will help you with that. Um, if that's when people want to use it, and um, yeah, I definitely, definitely think it's been a, it, it's been a, it, well, every year I think the game gets better. Yeah. It's just, you know, they're like, obviously there's going to be people, people disappointed because they expect more or worse. Whatever. Everyone, everyone, like I watched that um, YouTube video the, the other day and talk about graphics and all that. And, you know, that's what some people I think expect. And when you don't get that, it feels, it can feel like a disappointment, but when you actually look at the game, if you go back and play um, FM22 in six months, you'll probably think like, well, well this is a barbarous step. And I, I probably feel like that already. I, 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 I'm one of those people, I can never go back and play an old game. No, and me no. neither. I, um, no. I, I, I understand more of the appeal of retro databases using kind of the latest game with a retro database, because that's pretty neat. But like I know some people keep keep their save files and think, oh, I'll go back to that in a few months or I'll look go no. over this. Yeah, once that new game's out, you know, FN22 yeah, is dead gone. to me. As much as I loved it, <laughs> FN22 is gone. <laughs> Are you the same, Jack? Are you, do you kind of like draw a line in the sand and think, I won't ever go back? I So, yeah, like my position's a little unusual. Like this time last year, I was just like everybody else. I wasn't working at SI at that point. So, you know, all the years I played FM before that point, I was just like everybody else. So... When people make comments or have their opinions on the game, obviously I hear it. I see. It. I'm still part of the community. Luckily for me, I'm allowed to still make content. I'm allowed. They allow me to. Sports have allowed me to to be able to do both. And I thank them for that because I think it. What it allows me to do it allows me to keep. I guess my finger on the pulse of like what people are, are thinking and saying, um, and I and I enjoy that. And so, yeah. When when like you speak about all the the people, the fact that. Um, I can't remember how you phrased it, but you were saying that people weren't as, as excited about some of the features this year, but once they got the game, they, they saw it. I think I, I could see a bit of that as well from like, the, you could gradually see the change of, of how people were talking about, about certain things. But yeah, for, for me, I've always been the same way when it comes to like, when a new game's come out, there are always, even when it's like a small feature that's been added, especially in Foot Manager specifically, it's really hard to go back and play. And for me, one thing that always used to irritate me why I could never go back was that the fact that the game start date starts like that year before, that used to just, I don't know, <laughs> they, they used to, I can't get past that. Like the fact that it would start the year before. So I've never really gone back in FMs. The, the one time I did was I went through a phase where I think man, it must've been like, I don't know, 20, 
2013, I want to say 2012, Manchester City, it was 2012 because Manchester City just won the league with the Aguero moment, famous Aguero moment. And I kept going, and I won the league with Manchester City in FM12. And I went back to, I thought, okay, let's go back to the year before, because I did the year before. So I went to FM11, then FM10, then FM9. Got to FM2008. Now that was a little difficult because that was before their big takeover. That was when Taskin Shinawatra was their previous owner and they had players like Ilana and Bianchi. So, and then, then I managed to do it there. And I thought, okay, the FM before that, they had Stuart Pierce as manager, Bernardo Carradi and Giorgio Samurai. Some of our listeners here may not know who those players are. They were not the best. Well, I think they to had, be honest with you, they had the record, didn't they, of, of, without going a home win or something, didn't they? Didn't I think it was scoring a goal? It was scoring a goal without a goal, was it? Yeah, yeah. they were. They were truly awful. <laughs> they were lucky to stay up that year, and I thought, okay, this is where I get my comeuppance here. I'm not, and this wasn't always first time, by the way. I better preface that it wasn't like first time I was winning it, but I was trying it. And then eventually, I, there was there used to be a little um, workaround, let's call it, on FM 2007, where if you used the target man, you were a lot more effective than if you did not. And I managed to do it there. So that's probably the only story I can sort of think of where I did go back in FM just to really, I was just enjoying playing as like City before they got taken over, you know, but when they were still like the, the underdogs, as it were. So yeah, that's, that's the only story I've got about going backwards. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. Um, in terms of um, our beta, I know, Dan, you've done a network save. Did you want to talk about your network save that you've done? Um, I did a... Uh... Um, one season network scene with um, Cleon, which was um, interesting because we both don't normally play that way. And um, we basically space fired through a season, but, but um, we started before um, the first game of the season, so we skipped through pre season. We've stuck a tactic in each, and um, we have two promoted teams in Holland, so no, no sign ins or nothing. And uh, we played on key highlights and fastest speed and all that. And um, it, on, it was really good fun. Not going to lie, After not gonna lie games, then. I went, I, went for, <laughs> I, look, I looked, I was going for a shower. I looked at my phone before I was going for a shower. And it was in September, October or something. By the time I got out of the shower, it, it was over the winter break already. Like the World Cup had happened. <laughs> <laughs> it I was heard you were long in the shower. Yeah, it wasn't a long shower either. <laughs> <laughs> But no, nah, um, I couldn't play like that normally, but it was it was quite good fun. And um, no, I think um, I finished three points ahead of Cleon in the end. Um, but, but we both stayed up, which was the objective. We both had to avoid relegation. So that, that was quite fun. I mean, we neither of us knew the teams or the players. We didn't have no real time to get to know them. We both just said, like, well, first one, let the assistant pick and we'll go from there. And... Um, Cleon went for attributeless on that one straight away. So he had <laughs> more like so he went straight in. But it was um that no, was a good it was a good save. Um fun. You, you could definitely like like when we had the graphic gear weekend, we um we could def- definitely do it on a weekend with a group of people and just smash for a season. Yeah. Definitely fun. But um where I, I could play a proper save like that. It was no. just too quick. You don't you on key highlights you get about you can get I played one match and you can get a highlight and junior no. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you sometimes see people like, say that FM's FM's too in depth now, and I can't play it. But I really don't think that stacks now because with the responsibility screen, you can really like kind of mm-hmm. delegate so much now that you can yeah. literally smash through seasons like back in the day of like the old CMs kind of thing if you want to. Yeah. Definitely, and every time, like you say, I delegated all training, everything to assistant contra. It's like because we um, when the World Cup came on in the winter, we both said, "Oh, we're holiday through the world, through the whole World Cup to the next game." And when I come back, they're like uh, half my players were, and like broken promises and stuff like that. And obviously, we just holiday pass it all. But it's like, ah, well, sorry, you know, at the end of the season, but no, it's all over. But um, I tell no, you, so you can definitely speed it. Yeah, I tell you one thing that obviously Jack mentioned about going back in time. The, is it the last couple of games where they introduced the processing speed being faster? Like there was a there was a moment in time where FM got really slow to like progress through seasons. Mm. Like, but now it is pretty rapid. Um, mm. Some wizardry was done somewhere in the back end of FM. But basically, <laughs> you can now like if if it's kind of the the World Cup, for instance, we're all going to have in FM twenty three, and you mm. get to that World Cup and you don't really want to watch the matches. That will actually process really quickly, and you'll be like, oh, it's no. done, done already. So yeah, going back that's painful. If you go back to like FM, I don't know sixteen for instance, and the processing's back what it was, I think that would be quite painful. Yeah. And you'd actually really yeah. value that FM23 being pretty fast now. Well, at least FM24, we won't have to worry about 
No, win the World Cup the last few we've been sat there skipping through it all. It's, it's <laughs> the other way. Yeah, because you know I, I quite like the South American leagues. Obviously, you had we always knew the World Cup was coming up, so that always impacted the schedules. But then obviously yeah. we had the global pandemic, and like it just threw all the leagues into disarray basically. <laughs> and it's been it's been like three or four years of that awfulness, and then hopefully after <laughs> this FM twenty four won't have that problem. <laughs> Um, no, I think. you know as long as we don't have any other pandemics or any global wars and stuff let's, <laughs> let's keep it together at least we get an edition of FM that is pretty standard that's all we want <laughs> um, did you want to go into like, the, any other business now of our pod we've gone up to like almost 50 minutes already it's flown by yeah. uh, I was just going to mention about obviously I called it Jack's, but, uh, Jack's charity stream but it was kind of not really Jack's it was kind of the communities but it was kind of led by Jack I don't know if Jack wants to introduce what what he did but it was actually something that was kind of like groundbreaking for the community um and I, I you know i don't know how much was the end value in the end of what was raised but i'll let jack introduce that yeah so that came about because in the summer i was doing a, i was doing a few long streams let's put it that way i was i had a couple of days off work over like a weekend and i was doing some pretty serious like i don't know like there was like a 14 hour stream this was just like just playing a save basis it's a money ball save it was on um on twitch on my boston team and I mentioned I'd like to do one for charity, but I was already doing past half hours just because, just you know? So I thought, well, doing 24, I don't feel like was really enough for me to warrant doing it for charity. I'd have to go longer than that. But then I thought if I did like a 48 hour one, although I could do it, by the time I get to the end of it, I would not be entertained. I'm not really entertaining anyway, but like definitely not by the 48 hours. <laughs> so I thought that's not going to work, is it? So then it started there. And then months go, went by and we said, oh, okay, how about we do like a like a seven-day one? We get people involved. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We do like a week-long thing. And I basically had it as an idea and it just didn't go anywhere for months. And it got to like September and I was like, somebody in my chat was like, Jack, are you ever going to do this? Like, it sounds good, but are you ever actually going to do it? So that night I was like, okay, right, I'll call a couple of people up and let's see what we can get organized. So spoke to a few people and said, how, how do we do it? What's the best way to do it? Do we have it all on Twitch? You know, the logistics of it all. And we ended up just feeling out people saying, you know, this is, this is rough. This is the week. We're going to do uh, four-hour schedules, four-hour time slots. What could you do? We just had a massive, like, Excel spreadsheet. People would just put in what they want to do. And it, it slowly started to fill up. And I was expecting to have to do one, maybe two slots a day. That's what I thought I'd have to do. And probably the, uh, the early hour ones, there's a there's a 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. slot that was horrendous trying to fill. The graveyard shift. The graveyard <laughs> shift. The, 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 the midnight to four was okay, but it was the four to eight that was an absolute nightmare. So I was fully prepared to have to do it. And it sort of kept going and kept going. I've got to give a, a huge shout out to Chris, who's Maltese Falcon on Twitch. He's the one that basically ran it with me. Um, he, he reached out to probably half the people who he knew through the community, because although... I was doing a lot of Twitch stuff. Like I didn't know that many people within the FM community. Like going back to January this year, like before I started at SI, I had like you know six hundred and ninety subscribers on YouTube. I've now got like two thousand three hundred. Like I've I wasn't a big a big streamer, a big YouTuber. That's like that's not why I got my job. My job was that I managed to get was luckily from my football experience and being a B licensed coach. So it wasn't because I was a content creator that I that I got my job right. So. I knew I knew the people that I knew. I knew a little bit. I knew Dan. I've spoken to Dan before, so I spoke to some people. Chris did the rest, and uh, and then it went from there. Of like, okay, how do we do? We just upload the save file. There was just so many things that went on, and to see so many different people come together for a charity cause, and you're talking four time streamers like RDF Tactics, RDF. Big shout out to him. He was fantastic. And then we had people with less than 100 subscribers on or, or followers on Twitch. To have that that like spectrum, we had people all over the world in different times, in different countries, different continents. And it was a proper FM community. And I tried to reach out to everybody that I could and I knew. If anybody's listening to this who was a content creator and they weren't reached out to, that was not deliberate. We, we tried to reach out to everybody. I emailed a few people that I, did, I just I didn't get a reply from. It gets lost in the mailbox, whatever it happens. But um, I tried to reach out to everybody I could. And, I, and we raised... I think with the the uh, the government money you get the gift day, then we we raised over three thousand pounds. When our target was one, so it was an amazing effort, and it was just the the best bit for me was right at the end of somebody's shift when they're passing the safe file to the next content creator, and they're just chatting for ten minutes about how good it was, who ballsed up the safe for them beforehand, why their team's so bad, who destroyed somebody's tactic, who shouldn't have sold somebody. Um, very rarely was it positive for the first few days. We didn't do very well, <laughs> but then we ended up achieving it all in the uh, the last stream. So it was it was perfect. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that, that kind of, I know Guido Mary used to call it um, succession save, didn't he? That's what it is, basically, pass the baton save, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's a good idea, but it's, I don't think, I've never seen a community stream that do that way. Like they, I've seen charity streams before, but it's almost felt like an endurance stream. It never felt quite healthy, but the way you guys did it, where it was kind of little <laughs> slots and you pass it over, and there was kind of that each manager had their own interpretation of what they're going to do. Some would muck it up, some would repair the damage, some would build a legacy. It was pretty good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I suppose the onus is on you to, to better it next year. Yeah, we're definitely going to do another one. Uh, I think that the, the thing we're very conscious of is you don't want to do it too often because although we'd love to have done it every month and, and it, it got so good, right? There were content creators who after their slot was over, they just wanted to do more slots or a couple of them actually were playing the save off camera because they were just enjoying, they wanted to be involved in it so much, right? Um, and so, but I think you, you want to keep it special, right? There's always the, like Ricky Gervais says this about the office, the, the British office office uh, finished a bit too soon and the America went on way too long. And it's just a clash of philosophies. And the British way with TV shows often is that, that we try and find that sweet spot to like, you don't want it, you don't want it to overdo it. Whereas the, the sort of American philosophy to the office was let's get as many seasons as we can, let's milk it. And then let's get reruns Cash off of cow. it. You know, that, so that yeah. was the difference in, in, in philosophy. So I think that trying to do it maybe twice a year and also because we're not the only th- charity stream in town right we want to make sure that we don't hog all the, the the time i guess so we're very conscious of that there will definitely be be another one but it was it was honestly it was the, the funniest the two funniest moments were when i passed it on to a friend of mine after my first shift he was a he's a professional streamer works at a professional streaming company and um he his his stream wouldn't work he couldn't change the name of the game to foot manager he couldn't change the name of his title of his stream couldn't do anything that was quite funny and the second one was uh bango shay who's uh, an american uh, streamer uh, twitch streamer for the foot manager the person before was working with i think stick piano another twitch streamer they were putting this great tactic together it was in it was had depth to it it was strikerless it had loads of instructions it was thought out they were really proud of it and he, he just goes to the tactics screen and he just takes one look and goes nah, we're not doing that. And just removes it instantly. Like it's just gone. It's like all the, all that hour of work is just gone. And I was just, I was just in bits laughing. And most of these are late at night, right? So we're trying to go to sleep for work the next day. But you, it's just so funny watching people like undo each other's work. It's uh, not in a bitter way, just, just people being naturally themselves. It was, it was very funny. I was in the, I was in the one that Dan did, obviously, to, to support him. I, was, I, I couldn't be in the stream itself, but I was just kind of in the chat every now and again. Obviously, Dan was, I think, he was, he was basically end of season and you were trying to get a striker and you had such a disparity of views in the chat. And like Dan's basically just trying to, he's just trying to do the right thing, trying to find a good striker. Nobody could agree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was awesome. And the Did you get Muffin in the end? Well. Did you... Yeah, it was um, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was, I, I reckon I took over at the worst possible time. I think I had like four games left of the season. One was like, uh, um, I think Cup final, uh, you're opening final when I had to finish in top four. And I, uh, looking back now, the worst thing was I, I didn't stick with the tactic. But uh, when I looked in there, the tactic was disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> and I just couldn't bring myself to use it. You had blogger like, snobbery. Oh, I was like, I looked at it, I was like, I can't physically use this tactic. <laughs> but I, I, for the last four or five games, I should have just used it could, um, and got on with it. So I um, tried to put my own tactic in. And, the team went not set up for that, and it, it was fun though. Everyone was having a good laugh, and then um, at the end of the day, we raised a lot of money, which is what the whole thing was about. And um, luckily, Jack saved it all at the end. Yeah, just yeah. about. We had basically we ran <laughs> over time. We we did add a time a little bit. It got to the stage where we needed. We had one season left, and I was like, okay, we'll just go for this one season. We needed to win. As well, technically, we didn't succeed because we did. What did we not win? I think it was the FA Cup. We needed to win the treble last year, and we won. We won the Premier League and the Champions League, but we didn't win the FA Cup final. So, you know, there's definitely room to improve. I thought starting in League One would be too easy, and it turns out I I overestimated our abilities as, as managers. I think <laughs> as a community to, to get the job done. Yeah. No, but also it was definitely work. It was definitely strange, you know, because like you got um, how many creators do you reckon there were Jack in total? Probably fifteen. No, over thirty. That's what I mean. Um, so they all had different ideas. They all had different tactics. You know, is um, you had people buying players, and then the next person coming in and starting them six months later. You yeah. had um, people playing four three three. You had people playing. Like it's just everything, isn't it? Imagine it, being a fan of that football club. Like the manager just—he's on one. Sign a player, get rid of him. It—it it was actually, I think, that's what made it. Because if if everyone had just come in and played the same tactic, you know, yeah. really just 
stuck to it, it might have got a bit boring, but there was an almost, because I, I, I was actually um, at home and all that, on my breaks at work watching the stream and it was um, when I went doing it myself and some of the stuff that was going on was hilarious you know and just like just the previous person being like oh uh, what are you doing doing that this is a tactic I've used or then the next guy who's going to take over is watching it like oh yeah if you, I'm going to play this next and he's like nah mate I've got this by stream because <laughs> <laughs> did you did you sign Timo Mofi in the end from Lorient in France yeah, I did, yeah, he did in the end because a lot of there was I, a lot of resistance to it, but he was the best option. Clearly, he was he was the best option, and he, like he, on FM twenty two, he was brilliant. Yeah. But then um, the next night, someone sold him for like a, a quarter of what I paid for him. Was oh, <laughs> that was me? But I think he. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> well, I think he was um, he, he was definitely the best option. <laughs> I think I even nicknamed him like Golden Boot winner before I left the stream, and that was that was gone as well. Yeah, that was I definitely got rid of that. Um, he was he, he wasn't part of my plans. I'm afraid. Uh, it, it was it was honestly so good. The backseat ga- uh, like gaming as it was um, in the chat was so funny, especially when it was the person that had just gone, and you can see that the next person started to lose, and they're like desperately trying to make sure that they don't undo their work, and it gets to what they just give up. Like, okay, it's gone now. Because there was a few people that were like on two or three times, and and every I can't remember who it was. I think it may have been there's a guy called Coach Zanku and FM King. They both did three slots, and they both I think almost every time they were back to back. And every time Coach seemed to have a decent start, and I can't remember, maybe it was that way around. One of them had a good start, and the other person went through it. It just happened three days in a row, but um, but it, it was it was so good. It was so good to watch, and I think people enjoyed it, and it brought a lot of different communities together, right? Like different. Uh, creators have different like viewership groups as it were and it brought a lot of different people in and uh, it, it was fantastic hopefully next time like anybody that wants to be involved any creator wants to be involved that if, they, if they've got a twitch account and they're willing to get their microphone to go on camera then it's, it's completely open to everybody whether you've got one follower or you're you're a full-time streamer yeah well, that's it, we are... even if you're a podcaster like dan doesn't even really stream really <laughs> even dan got his camera on and well, I, I, go, I think yeah I think I have three, three followers to start the stream, and at the end of the stream, I have like 57. So, <laughs> I got full time in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want you to do because I might lose you for the podcast, and it would just be grass, <laughs> and that won't be so entertaining. Um, but I think that kind of sums up uh, episode 62 of, of Grass and Gear. Um, I'd like to say, Jack, thank you for coming on. It's been, it's been really interesting discussion. Um, it's been great having you. Um, you've been on the you've been on like the shortlist for what feels like months and maybe possibly a year now, but well, not a year because you've not been around that long. But it's, it felt like a long time. We wanted to get you on. I think we pitched it at the right time as well with FM Twenty Three Beta out as well. Um, where can people find you, Jack? Uh, they, if they want to contact me, they can contact me on Twitter at the Cult of. But it's a zero, not an O. Somebody took that name. Of course they did. Hope apparently that might be changing according to Elon on Twitter. So hopefully, fingers crossed. They've not been using it for a while. They can. They get that for me, um, yeah. Or on or on my Discord, um, which if they reach out to me, I can send send them the link to that. Two best ways. Yeah, and you do you have like a like a YouTube schedule or not? I know you are very frequent on YouTube. There's it's, it's, a, it's a consistent approach, but is there a day of the week that people should tune in? Um, I normally upload my video around four p.m. every every weekday. I try to do six days a week. I don't like to do Sundays. I'm a big NFL fan, and that is my day where I like to do just NFL. You know, I'm in a competitive league where you pick who wins every week. I'm, it's very close. It's very tense. So Sundays are off, but pretty much every other day at 4 p.m. I, I upload a video. And I, and I, I'm my, I do stream often, but I don't have a schedule because it's like, you know, I, work is yeah. first com, comes first, right? Work. You know, got to get the, got to get the game out <laughs> in the best place possible. Yeah. Sports Interactive might be listening, so you've got to say that contractually. Yeah, so, ex- yeah. there you go, exactly. <laughs> um, Dan, you've been very busy on the View from Touchline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to introduce what you've been doing there? Oh, we we've been going daily this week. Yeah, especially. I yeah. <laughs> daily involves dropping them. Now we just we've um, had a lot of people um, um, volunteer to write pieces for us, recommending signings from different countries, and we've been made sure to get um, people from all over the world writing. So we've actually got people from those nations writing for us. So far, we've had Australia, um, Denmark, and Norway. And tomorrow or today, when this podcast comes out, we've got um, uh, Argentinian guy, um, Roxanne FM, is writing um, best players from South America to sign. And I read it today, and it is brilliant. So hopefully that goes down quite well. So um, we've got a few more coming out. 
next few weeks. So it should be good. Yeah. Uh, half coffee house. Coffee house isn't so prolific in terms of the blogs. Um, <laughs> there has been one this morning from from myself uh, in Argentina. Just my beta save. Just I just kind of did a one year Lenis save in Argentina, um, where I kind of took a preset, ran with it, made some tweaks, and ended up having a good season. Um, but as you know, as is beta, it's just it's just worth playing around, really mucking around with it. Yeah. Um, Can't wait. Wait till next Tuesday. Yes, so next Tuesday, that'll be when I'll, when I'll start my main save, um, which I will be blogging throughout the year. Hopefully that's a save that will last me the cycle. Uh, I don't <laughs> generally tend to have too many saves. So, um, yeah, that would be really fun. So roll on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it's the awkward goodbye to everybody. It's awkward, thanks so, for coming on, Jack. Yeah, thanks, Jack. And thank everybody for listening. Cheers, bye.